Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Welcome back again, beloved family. Are you there? I'm not sure if you're there. Um, I, we had some technical difficulties, and um, uh, we had a tune out. I'm not sure what you saw from your end, but we are back. And um, it is uh, Our Lady, the day of Our Lady of the Most Holy Rosary, Our Lady of Victory, um, a very, very special day. I don't know if... Um, the beginning of the program recorded, um, so I'm going to read from the beginning uh, a uh, a little history of the Rosary by Saint Louis de Montfort, um, and he said, since the Rosary is composed principally and in substance of the Prayer of Christ and the angelic salutation, that is the Our Father and the Hail Mary, it was without doubt the first prayer and the principal devotion of the faithful, and it has been in use all through the centuries from the time of the apostles and the disciples right down to the present. And it was in the year 1214 that the church received the rosary in its present form and according to the method we use today. And it was given to the church by St. Dominic, who had received it from the Blessed Virgin as a means of converting the Albigensians at the time and other sinners The Albigensian movement, beloved, was in the 12th and 13th centuries. It was a heresy that grew um, in southern France. The Albigensian rejected the sacraments and believed that the evil God of the Old Testament had created the physical world. And in 1208, they killed a papal representative, and Pope Innocent III called for a crusade against the heretical sect. And just to clarify, in case anyone today thinks that the God of the Old Testament is evil and the God of the New Testament is good, there's only one God, beloved, as you know, and it was the God of the Old Testament that sent his son to die for us, that we could live forever with him. Okay, during this time, St. Dominic did nothing but weep and do harsh penances in order to appease the anger of God. He used his discipline so much that his body was lacerated, and finally he fell into a coma. And at this point, when he was in a coma, Our Lady appeared to him, accompanied by three angels, and she said, Dear Dominic, do you know which weapon the Blessed Trinity wants to use to reform the world? Oh, my lady, answered St. Dominic, You know far better than I do because next to your son, Jesus Christ, you have always been the chief instrument of our salvation. And then Our Lady replied, I want you to know that in this kind of warfare, the principal weapon has always been the angelic psalter, which is the foundation stone of the New Testament. Therefore, If you want to reach these hardened souls and win them over to God, 
preach my Psalter. So St. Dominic arose, comforted and burning with zeal for the conversion of the people in that district. He made straight for the cathedral, and at once unseen angels rang the bells to gather the people together, and St. Dominic began to preach. At the very beginning of his sermon, an appalling storm broke out. The earth shook, the sun was darkened, and there was so much thunder and lightning that all were very much afraid. Even greater was their fear. When looking at a picture, listen to this one, beloved, even greater was their fear. When looking at a picture of Our Lady exposed in a prominent place, they saw her raise her arms to heaven three times to call down God's vengeance upon them if they failed to be converted, to amend their lives and seek the protection of the Holy Mother of God. Can you imagine being there in that scene? My goodness. God wished, by means of these supernatural phenomena, to spread the new devotion to the Holy Rosary and to make it more widely known. And at last, at the prayer of St. Dominic, the storm came to an end, and he went on preaching. So fervently and compellingly did he explain the, the importance and value of the rosary that almost all the people of Toulouse, France, embraced it and renounced their false beliefs. In a very short time, a great improvement was seen in the town. People began leading Christian lives and gave up their former bad habits. Beloved, there are so many stories about the power the supernatural power of the rosary, that it's the number one instrument of warfare for Our Lady. St. Louis de Montfort continues, inspired by the Holy Spirit, instructed by the Blessed Virgin, as well as by his own experience, St. Dominic preached the rosary for the rest of his life. He preached it by example as well as by his sermons in cities and in country places, to people of high station and low, before scholars and the uneducated, to Catholics and to heretics. The rosary, which he said every day, was his preparation for every sermon, and his little tryst, his little agreement with Our Lady, immediately after preaching. One day, St. Dominic had to preach at Notre Dame in Paris, and it happened to be the feast of St. John the Evangelist. He was in a little chapel behind the high altar, prayerfully preparing his sermon by saying the rosary. As he always did, when Our Lady appeared to him and said, Dominic, even though what you have planned to say may be very good, I am bringing you a much better sermon. Isn't that something, beloved? Wouldn't you love that, to be preparing a talk and have Our Lady give you an even better one? St. Dominic took it in his hands, the book Our Lady presented to him, read the sermon carefully, and when he had understood it and meditated on it, he gave thanks to her. And when the time came, he went up into the pulpit and in spite of the feast day that St. John the Evangelist made no mention of St. John, other than to say that he had been found worthy 
to be the guardian of the Queen of Heaven. The congregation was made up of theologians and other eminent people who were used to hearing unusual and polished discourses. But St. Dominic told them that it was not his desire to give them a learned discourse, wise in the eyes of the world, but that he would speak in the simplicity of the Holy Spirit and with his forcefulness. So he began preaching the rosary and explained the Hail Mary word by word as he would to a group of children and used the very simple illustrations which were in the book given him by Our Lady. Blessed Alan, according to Carthagena, mentioned several other at um, several other occasions when Our Lord and Our Lady appeared to St. Dominic to urge him and inspire him to preach the rosary more and more in order to wipe out sin and convert sinners and heretics. In another passage, Carthagena says, Blessed Alan and Our Lady revealed to him that after she had appeared to St. Dominic, her blessed son appeared to him. Also, did you know that Jesus appeared to St. Dominic? This is too thrilling. Her blessed son appeared to him and said, Dominic, I rejoice. This is from Jesus. Dominic, I rejoice to see that you are not relying on your own wisdom and that rather than seek the empty praise of men, you are working with great humility for the salvation of souls. But many priests, our Lord said, want to preach thunderously against the worst kinds of sin at the very outset, failing to realize that before a sick person is given bitter medicine, he needs to be prepared by being put into the right frame of mind to really benefit by it. That is why our Lord continued to say to St. Dominic, that is why before doing anything else, priests should try to kindle a love of prayer in people's hearts, and especially a love of my angelic Psalter. If only they would all start saying it and would really persevere, God in his mercy could hardly refuse to give them his grace, so I want you to preach my rosary. End quote. All things, even the holiest, are subject to change, especially when they are dependent on man's free will. It is hardly to be wondered at, then, that the confraternity of the Holy Rosary only retained its first fervor for a century after it was instituted by St. Dominic. After this, it was like a thing buried and forgotten. Don't you hate those things when something so special, so treasured, so important, and it just falls into disuse and is forgotten? St. Louis says, doubtless, too, the wicked scheming and jealousy of the devil were largely responsible for getting people to neglect the rosary and thus block the flow of God's grace, which had draw, which it had drawn upon the world. Thus, in 1349, God punished the whole of Europe with the most terrible plague that had ever been known Starting in the east, it spread through Italy, Germany, France, Poland, Hungary, bringing desolation wherever it went. For out of a hundred men, hardly one lived to tell the tale. 
Big cities, towns, villages, and monasteries were almost completely deserted during the three years that the epidemic lasted. This scourge of God was quickly followed by two others, the heresy of the flagellants, they were a medieval religious sect that arose in the 14th century and included public beatings with whips as part of their discipline and devotional practice. It was it was awful, beloved. Um, and so the scourge of God was quickly followed by two others, the heresy of the flagellants and a tragic schism in 1376. And later on, when these trials were over, thanks to the mercy of God, Our Lady told Blessed Allen to revive the former confraternity of the Holy Rosary. Blessed Allen was one of the Dominican fathers at the monastery in um, Dinan in Brittany. He was an eminent theologian and a famous preacher. Our Lady chose him because since the confraternity had originally been started in that province, it was fitting that a Dominican from the same province should have the honor of reestablishing it. Blessed Allen began this great work in 1460 after a special warning from our Lord, and this is how he received that urgent message as he himself tells it. This is from our Lord Jesus to Blessed Allen. One day when he was offering Mass, when Blessed Allen was offering Mass, our Lord who wished to spur him on to preach the Holy Rosary, spoke to him in the sacred host. Quote from our Lord, How long can you crucify me again? No, excuse me. Our Lord said to Blessed Allen, How can you crucify me again so soon? He spoke to Jesus from the host. And Jesus said, What did you say, Lord? Uh, asked Blessed Allen, horrified. You crucified me once before by your sins, answered Jesus, and I would willingly be crucified again rather than have my father offended by the sins you used to commit. You are crucifying me again now because you have all the learning and understanding that you need to preach my mother's rosary and you're not doing it. Beloved, I tell you, my, I, I confess to you, I've never understood how important the rosary is to Our Lady and to our Lord and to God the Father. Our Lord said to Blessed Allen, if you only did that, you could teach many souls the right path and lead them away from sin, but you are not doing it. And so you yourself are guilty of the sins that they commit. End quote. Do you hear that? Priests, bishops, do you hear that? If you don't preach the rosary, you are guilty of the sins your own flock commits. Wow. St. Louis de Montfort goes on to say this terrible reproach made Blessed Allen solemnly resolve to preach the rosary unceasingly. Our Lady also said to him one day to inspire him to preach the rosary more and more, she said, quote, to Blessed Allen, you were a great sinner in your youth, 
but I obtained the grace of your conversion from my son. Had such a thing been possible, I would have liked to have gone through all kinds of suffering to save you, because converted sinners are a glory to me, and I would have done what also and I would have done that also to make you worthy of preaching my rosary far and wide, end quote, from our Blessed Mother. St. Dominic appeared to Blessed Alan as well and told him of the great results of his ministry. He had preached the rosary unceasingly. His sermons had borne great fruit, and many people had been converted during his missions. And so St. Dominic said to Blessed Alan, See what wonderful results I have had through preaching the rosary. You and all who love Our Lady ought to do the same. By means of this holy practice of the rosary, you may draw all people to the real science of the virtues. Briefly then, says St. Louis de Montfort, this is the history of how St. Dominic established the Holy Rosary and of how Blessed Alan de la Roche restored it. From the time St. Dominic established the devotion to the Holy Rosary up to the time when Blessed Alan de la Roche reestablished it in 1460, it has always been called the Psalter of Jesus and Mary. This is because it has the same number of Hail Marys as there are Psalms in the book of the Psalms of David. Since simple and uneducated people are not able to say the Psalms of David, the rosary is held to be just as fruitful for them as David's Psalter is for others. Oh, I hope you're listening to this. I hope you're going to. I tell you what, I printed this out to read for us, and I am making a new commitment to to pray the rosary be, more than I've ever done. We pray the rosary every day here. And I, I know I told you last week during the fun drive that I was taking your names. We prayed for all of you who called every single day of the week. And and if you called it on Monday, we prayed for you the whole week. If you called on Friday, we prayed for you on Friday with your prayer requests. And we do pray the rosary every day. Oh, so sorry for that yawn. But I am committed now to praying it even more. Um, <clears throat> Ever since Blessed Alan de la Roche reestablished this devotion, the voice of the people, which is the voice of God, gave it the name of the rosary. Can you hear that? The voice of the people, which is the voice of God, gave it the name of the rosary, which means crown of roses. That is to say that every time people say the rosary devoutly, they place on the heads of Jesus and Mary 153 white roses and 16 red roses. Being heavenly flowers, these roses will never fade or lose their beauty. I'm sorry I'm yawning so much this morning. I don't know quite why. I probably didn't sleep very much last night. So sorry. 
Our Lady has approved and confirmed this name of the rosary. She has revealed to several people that each time they say a Hail Mary, they are giving her a beautiful rose, and that each complete rosary makes her a crown of roses. Beloved, I would pray all of you, with families especially, would gather your family to, to, uh, every night before bed and pray the rosary. And if it's new for you and you've got real little children, it's too hard to pray the whole rosary one decade. Pray one decade and teach your, teach your people that each time, teach your children that they say a Hail Mary, they are giving Mary a beautiful rose. The complete rosary is a large crown of roses, and each chaplet of five decades is a little wreath of flowers or a little crown of heavenly roses, which we place on the heads of Jesus and Mary. The rose is the queen of flowers, and so the rosary is the rose of devotions and the most important one. I think it's beautiful, beloved. There's the music for our break. You may call in with anything on your mind, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. And I know we have Terry on the line. Terry, hold on. We'll come to you right after the break. And you may email her as well at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer honoring St. Francis of Assisi. Father in heaven, your love for us never falters in spite of our transgressions and failures. Please show your mercy for me in my difficulty. Through the intercession of St. Francis and for the sake of Christ our Savior, have pity on me. Increase my awareness of your presence and through the intercession of St. Francis, take care of my pressing need. Amen. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. If you'd like to listen to free podcasts that uplift you in your faith, the Station of the Cross provides great opportunities. Stream podcasts instantly on our iCatholic Radio mobile app or download through our website, thestationofthecross.com. That's instant streaming on iCatholic Radio or downloading podcasts at thestationofthecross.com.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am thrilled to be with you as always. And um, we'll take your calls toll-free with anything on your heart. Uh, I always say it never needs to be what we're speaking about. The the heart of the matter is a matter of your heart. So call in or text at one 511 5483 or email at com. We have a very patient Terry from Naples, Florida, waiting on the line. Are you there, dear one? Yes, Mother Miriam. <laughs> Thanks for holding so on. I just want to say my fondest memories are of my great-grandmother saying her rosary daily. Mm. I realized it was such a form of meditation of God's peace and love to us all. And what a witness to you. That's wonderful. Yeah. Just goes to my heart. Um, The reason I'm calling in, as I know they probably mentioned to you, was about your conversation about the vaccines. I listened to your your video. Um, Yes. Prior to me listening to that, I had just visited... Father Tom at St. John the Evangelist in Naples, Florida. And I reached out to him about the vaccines. My concern is with the recent lawsuits with the pharmaceutical companies, you know, the opioid um, lawsuit, Mm -hmm. the glyphosate roundup lawsuit, the talcum powder lawsuit, these companies have not cared about our families one bit. They knew Mm -hmm. that they were injuring and killing families. Right. And in 1986, when the vaccine injury, um, the vaccine injury, uh, Childhood Vaccine Injury Act came about, the childhood vaccine schedule went from five doses in 1962 And then in 1983, they went from 24. And after the act, now children get 72 doses of vaccines. Mm -hmm. Do you think they care about our children? They don't care about them in any other case. No, I don't. Why do we believe? Why do you believe they're caring about our children? Right. Well, I don't. I asked Father Tom to help me. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a large group of people all over the world now that are fighting and they're censoring us and they're not allowing us to talk about this. And I, I begged Father Tom, I said, what should I do? And he suggested I go to the bishop in Venice. Well, did you do that? I um, I actually just went away, but I plan. I went all to right. seven all churches. Right. I, I don't know what I don't know if or what he'll do. Uh, or what he knows, he may give the matter to one of his staff to look into it. I, I don't know. But, um, Terry, we need to, in this day and age, um, simply do what we can. So to begin with, we don't allow our children to be vaccinated. We protect them. Uh, we we don't let any school dictate anything to us whatsoever, ever, no matter what it is. It could be a matter of health 
education, no matter what it is, no school dictates anything to a parent. It is the parents who are given the stewardship of raising their children. And the schools um, used to be a good situation. They're not so good anymore. But the parents must be very diligent to know what their children are receiving and must uh, not allow their children to receive anything um, that uh, they haven't approved. And if the schools do things without telling the parents, you need to inform parents, need to say to the children, honey, if the school wants to take you anywhere or give you a vaccination or do anything, you tell them you need your mommy's or your, your daddy's permission first. You know, uh, train them not to take anything that the pay, that you haven't approved, and then go ahead and find good, strong sources, um, and write articles and 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 try to educate people. We have to do what we can in this age. There's so much about the dangers of vaccine on the internet; it's almost impossible. Um, I'll read a, a line that almost sounded just like yours now. I've got one article before me, and the author says, Do not allow your child to go on the chopping block for these liars and their profit margins. That's really what you're saying. So um, we need to be responsible and diligent, and um, the day has come where we cannot depend upon too many others. We just need to make sure that our children are protected and get the information we can to hand out. Yeah. The only problem is, Mother Miriam, is the, the government now has taken away our religious rights in five states and will no longer allow that to happen. Uh, well, uh, no longer allow what to happen? To choose. You have to vaccinate or you cannot go to school. Then you take your children 000. out. You take your children out. This is what I'm saying. I've been, I tell you what, um, Terry, uh, I know not everybody is in a position to take their children out of school, but I've been saying for weeks now, that's the reality. And it's, we, we might take them out now, uh, while we have the, the opportunity to take them out rather than wait until they're destroyed. Uh, this book here that I have, um, let me see if I can get it in front of the camera that I've been talking about. Um, get out now why you should pull your children from public school before it's too late. And it's also very real in Catholic schools now. Um, if your school says um, you can, to begin with, denying your children a vaccine, vaccine has nothing to do with religion. Well, aside from the aborted fetal cells. No. 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 Not not aside from that. That's murder. Right. That's not religion. That's murder. You don't murder people to uh, soak. No, you don't do it. That you don't have to be religious to know that. You don't. That's That's, not the fruit of religion. Our own conviction. Well, it's true. It's true. It's out there. Science. So you just say to your parents, it's got nothing to do with my faith. This is true. uh, We're killing babies to make these vaccines. Uh, That's not a matter of my religion. It's wrong. 
you don't murder people. I don't want my child receiving a vaccine. It's got nothing to do with my religion. I don't want her receiving a vaccine. You just refuse that. If they put her out of school, I think you need to deal with that. Hang on, Terry, can you? Uh, Because we're coming up against the break. Hold on just a moment. We'll be right back with you. And, And with you also, Katie. We'll be right back, beloved. Call in or email with anything on your heart, 1-877-511-5483 or mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download on your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, and I believe we're on the phone with Terry. Are you still there, dear? Yes, I am still there. All right. Let me, uh, we need to go to, to other callers and emails, but um, I'm looking on a website, and it discusses the dangers of vaccines and how urgent it is, no matter how the schools uh, threaten you, no matter what it is, you have to say no. And it talks yes, about... Okay. 
many things. And I'm looking at a site called educateyourself.org, educate-yourself.org. And then just... Yes, mother. Thank you. All right. Yes, thank you. We we need to all educate ourselves. Well, this is a website. I'm I'm just saying, Terry, on this website, educate-yourself.org, under vaccine dangers, you will see everything you need to tell your doctor or the schools and proof um, of how bad this is and how bad it is long term for your children's health. And you don't need to. It's got nothing to do with religion. It's all science. I, okay. I agree with you 100 percent. But the okay. government now is telling us we don't have a choice, Mother Miriam. Not on vaccines. The they don't. They're yes, telling they you, are, the, Mother Miriam. Oh, then you take your children yes. out. I'm, I'm telling you, dear one, we have to get our children out of schools. This, you, you don't have a choice with vaccines now. They're coming you, after the kids that are not in school too, Mother Miriam. This is where this is all going. And you then just come after the adults, Mother Miriam. Well, um, That's where this is all going. Well, I don't know how they're going to come after them. They're going to have to chain them down. Uh, hold a no, gun to their... Miriam, in Argentina, they're already doing it. They're not okay. allowing people to get passports. They're not allowing people to get driver's license or marriage license. They're talking okay. about it in Europe as well. Okay, this is, Terry. This is how it's heading. Terry, beloved, I believe you. And this is a reason for us all to begin to be smart now and do what we can now to protect our homes, protect ourselves, protect our children, and live our faith and not be afraid of it. Okay, Terry, got to do it. Thank you. Okay, sweetheart. You too. Uh, We have Katie on the line. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mother. Um, I was wondering, so if a priest does something that bothers me, like, for example, after Mass, talks loudly in the sacristy um, to the faithful, and um, and I just feel like we should continue our conversation in powwow, like, outside and not right there in front of the Eucharist, because I feel that it's irreverent. Should I approach the priest about that and tell him how I feel, or should, would that be out of line and disrespectful for me as a layperson? Hmm. You know, what you might do, Katie, is at one point when you have something to thank him for, a good homily or just uh, wish him a good feast day, something like that. You know, when you you could say to him, Father, I've also been meaning to. Um, oh, you don't have to have something good to tell him, but to go up to him and say, Father, I, I pray um, that I won't be, that I'm not being disrespectful to you in any way, but I'm not sure that you know how much your voice ca- Don't tell him it bothers you. Just say, I'm not sure if you know how much your voice carries. And um, uh, particularly after Mass, when you're speaking in the sacristy, you know, maybe there's a door you could close that would help or something, but... You know, I, I know there's a number of people still praying after Mass, and and your voice really, really carries through the church. So I just wanted to make you aware of it. Maybe something like that. That would be good. Okay. Um, thank you, Mother. That's good advice. Thank you okay, so much. Okay, good. 
Good, Katie Art. God bless you, dear one. We have an email from Cecilia, and she says, Dear Mother, first of all, thank you so much for your interesting and enlightening program. I very much appreciate your thoughts and help for me and others. Thanks, Cecilia. I'm a convert with a Jewish and Lutheran background. All right. Uh, that's my sister. Grew up Jewish with me and my brother and became a Lutheran and entered the Catholic Church. That's wonderful. Um, and she said, I do attend Mass in a very small parish in the diaspora outside the United States. We are only about 30 people coming to church every Sunday and receiving the Eucharist. When it comes to the distribution of communion... We have one older lady in our parish who has, as it seems, decided always to be the last one of all of us when receiving communion during Mass. This lady would always wait for all of us having lined up in the queue in front of our priest, and only when this lady is sure that no one would come after her would she stand up and walk toward the altar." I'd like to add that there is only one priest distributing communion. Good. You don't need more than that for 30 people. There's only one queue. Communion is received on the tongue. Excellent. And there are mostly older people in our parish who, out of health reasons, cannot kneel down. Over many months, even years, I have kept telling myself I should not worry about this lady's behavior. But the following things have happened several times. One, people coming up and asking for communion have been overseen by the priest. I don't know what that means. People coming up and asking for communion have been overseen by the priest. This happened as follows. Older people got up too late from their seats or walked too slow toward the altar, while the priest at the same time would have turned around too quickly after having handing out communion to the lady who always wants to be the last. You know what? Uh, just in case, oh, I think we'll have enough time for me to, for me to uh, read this. Okay. Second, people need, kneeling down in front of the altar a little aside, the rest of the parishioners standing and waiting in line for communion have been overseen. I'm, I'm guessing you mean overseen here by not seen, overlooked by the priest. This also happens because the priest did not take a look around at, after having handed out communion to the lady who always wants to be the last. I talked about this issue with our priest about a year ago, but my impression then was that he rather wants to avoid trouble out of, and she says, perhaps false respect for a lady being almost 90 years old and asking for a special treatment than to defend the church. My understanding would be that the priest should rather provide this older lady with pastoral care, be her spiritual guide, and help her grow in her faith, even at age 90, instead of giving in and not talking to her carefully about her misunderstandings and her behavior in front of the body of Christ. We're almost done with the email. The priest is especially touchy on this topic because this almost 90-year-old lady used to be his secretary and has helped him in the parish a lot. He therefore takes the matter quite personally. I myself might be too strict because as a convert, I'm very aware of the fact that the communion in the Church of Christ has saved me from death after decades of atheism and Lutheranism. What would be your thoughts on this matter? 
Could you give me some advice for how to deal with this issue in the future? Thank you so much again, and God bless. Well, my goodness, dear one, I would say um, let it all go. It's really not your issue, Cecilia, at all, and it really shouldn't bother you. It's up to the woman, the 90-year-old woman. It's up to the people who are kneeling much to the side and the priest doesn't see them. It's up to them and the priest. I would just stay out of it and not let it bother you. The priest certainly knows by now that this 90-year-old woman who used to be his secretary, who he cares about, is going to come up last. The priest already knows that. He can accommodate that. That's no problem. People who sit to the side and the priest doesn't look around, he'll learn that in time or let them tell him, Father, I didn't receive communion because you haven't looked around. Um, I wouldn't instruct the priest in that. I would just leave him alone. It's not your issue. If I were sitting to the side and the priest didn't see me, I would make sure that I sat where he could see me, um, uh, or at least go up to him after Mass and take care of it. So I would say, Cecilia, just completely stay out of the entire Mass, the whole thing. Don't worry about it at all. Let it be between the priest and the people. Nothing wrong is being done. Nothing wrong is being done. Um, Again, if if people want to receive the Eucharist and they're sitting way out of the priest's reach or kneeling, they should go up to him and ask him for the Eucharist or come closer. If he does this on a regular basis, they should know that he's not going to start at the end of the rail again, that they should come closer to where he is. So um, those are my thoughts, dear Cecilia. But God bless, uh, bless God for bringing you into the church. Okay, let me see now. Um, We have an email uh, from someone who writes in anonymously and says, I was so impressed by your video about the direction of the Pope, about the direction the Pope is taking in climate change and world control. You are truly a dear sister in Christ. I am a Catholic, although not a Roman Catholic. I believe God has his true followers in all denominations, whether Protestant or Catholic, and will one day bring us together in the unity of the word of God. Well, beloved, I don't know what you mean by saying I'm a Catholic, though not a Roman Catholic. You don't need to be a Roman Catholic to be a Catholic, because, the uh, um, it, uh, how do I say, there are 23 rites in the church, and inst- you can instead of the Latin rite, you could be a... Um, a Chaldean or a, a Maronite or a Byzantine, many other rites, but it all is under the church from Rome, which is why all Catholics are Roman Catholics, because they come out of Rome, where is the seat of Peter. And all um, rites, R-I-T-E-S, within the Catholic Church, again, are obedient to the Pope. Uh, there is no Protestant who can call themselves Catholic, um, truly. There's quite a difference between, and, and see my, my lovely one, uh, a Protestant Catholicism, even in 23 rites, separate rites, is not a denomination. There's no denominationalism. God established a church, not denominations. 
man through his sin has become denominational, but that's not of God. Let me continue reading your email. You are brave to speak out as you have. Now, you might change your mind as I just spoke, spoke out about once you, what you wrote, dear one. She says, I or he, I pray for you to stay true to the word of God. His word never changes. And our only safety as Christians is to reject everything, whether from bishop, pope, professors, or the greatest of theologians that does not line up with inspired scripture. Now I have to add on to that. That does not line up with the magisterium. The magisterium is like a stool with three legs. It is the Pope uh, in union with his um, um, cardinals and bishops. It is the magisterium, the teaching office of the church. It is the scriptures and tradition with a capital and T, the tradition that God gave scripture, tradition, and the teaching of the magisterium, those three. Um, uh, that's what uh, must line up. If you say only inspired scripture, you're speaking of one of three legs, and that's not sufficient. Even as our Lord said, he didn't give everything in scripture. And then she goes, or he goes on to say, like we have been warned, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to his word, it is because there is no light in them. That's true. God's truth never changes. Absolutely true. Blessings to you and your ministry. Spend time in the word, and may God continue to guide you in his service. Would love to meet you someday. My dear one, I would love to recommend to you a couple of books. One that is titled Fundamental and fundamentalism and Catholicism. Another that is titled, which is the greatest book I read coming into the church. Um, it's by Carl Adam and it's called the spirit of Catholicism. If you want to know if you're a Catholic, dear one, read that book. It is pre-century rather 13th century pre-reformation Christianity, which indeed is the Catholicism our Lord gave the spirit of Catholicism. I would wish very much for you to read that book, and you will see through that book that you may not be the Catholic you think you are, but your spirit for unity and truth is very good, and I commend you for that. God bless you. God bless all of you, and we'll speak with you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 